it's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, November 19th. That's right, Thanksgiving week, uh, right here from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. A, uh, another somewhat quiet week for the LA Galaxy last week. We talked to you last Monday. Uh, we are now getting ready for a holiday week, which means that it's probably going to be another quiet week there as well. So uh, we have a bunch of really good updates, though. If you're looking for a show that's going to make it last through the next week, through the holiday here, through the Thanksgiving holiday, into this is going to be the show for you because I think uh, we have some of the uh, some of the most detailed information on what is going on with the LA Galaxy's general manager hunt, at least from one perspective here, uh, that we're going to be able to share with you and to, uh, of course, help us do that. He is the panda. He is probably getting ready for a wonderful Thanksgiving week as well. So welcome to the show, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How you doing, buddy? Hey, here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Aren't we singing Christmas, Christmas Carol? We were I think maybe there was jingle some talk. Bell, yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't sing Christmas. Maybe we would ruin the Christmas holiday. Maybe it's too soon for Christmas carols and we should practice. Hey, uh, stop saying Christmas holiday carols. Holiday carols, of course. We can. Yes. We can. I, I, hey, I love. I love Who also holiday carol. Anyways, is she <laughs> is she nice? Did she used to play for the galaxy? She no, may have. No. Uh, no. Maybe. Okay. Okay. That's how it goes. Um. No. Uh, a lot of interesting news surrounding the LA Galaxy, despite the fact, Kevin, that really, if you're looking from like the PR calendar, and I think we talked about it a little bit last Monday, but you know, last week was the last sort of full week that you could announce something and get any sort of PR movement from it, because this week is really going to be, you know, a, a holiday weekend. Thanksgiving is here and, and people aren't paying attention. So it wasn't surprising once nothing happened on Thursday. You don't release news on Friday unless it's bad news, right? Friday is bad news day. Uh, the weekend is bad news. Um, so basically it's a Monday that you would release good news. Tuesday's good news. Wednesday's good news. Thursday you start sliding into the end of the week. But after Thursday you're, you're kind of done again. And with a holiday coming, uh, Thanksgiving coming up this week, uh, it wouldn't be surprising that there is basically radio silence from from the galaxy. No, it wouldn't be, but I think you give them a little bit too much credit. I, I really, truly don't know if they're that sophisticated. And, and I will say that, you know, when a move needs to be made or when you have the opportunity to make a move, I think any team would do that. And I, I speak a little bit from experience back in a previous life when I covered baseball, the Florida Marlins made a huge deal on Thanksgiving, uh, just a massive trade. And it happened on Thanksgiving, destroyed everybody's Thanksgiving, including the players and the general manager and everybody else. But my point would be if, if the move is there or, or the hiring is there, I think you do it. And, and again, I'm not sure that there are quite that sophisticated to say, you know, we want to, we want to be positioned in the news cycle a certain way. I, I think right now it's just the, you know, anything we say on the show, first of all, we need to predicate by saying we're not in the, the boardroom. We don't know the decisions that are going down. This, all this could be moot by uh, by tomorrow. But I will say that it doesn't seem like the Galaxy are close to doing anything. And that would be my hesitation to say uh, expect news this week on Thanksgiving because I just don't think they're close to anything. Yeah, the only thing that really we are expecting, and, and they have a deadline to do it against, which is why we're expecting it, is that the first major offseason deadline, which we talked about two weeks ago whenever we started and we talked about last week as well, is that the LA Galaxy have until November 26 to declare to the league in writing uh, who they have decided to extend offers to and who to exercise options on, and basically that means who basically not to exercise options on. It's usually the, the people who are not exercised that is the news um, outside of that. And this is what was the point last year, Kevin, where Siggy Schmidt decided to, I think, jettison 13 players by not renewing options and not offering new contracts to those out of contracts. So there was a ton of turnover with Siggy Schmidt last year in this particular window. And this window, this November 26th deadline, really is a deadline that sort of sets the ball rolling for 2019. So you really have to know what you think your team is going to look like in 2019 to be able to look at contracts, extend contracts, you know, exercise options, and let go of the people who you don't think are going to be there for next year. And and this is this is a big decision coming up. It's one likely, Kevin, if you're the Galaxy, you have already made. Um, but we don't know that that has happened, and and only one team so far, the Seattle Sounders, way ahead of the deadline. Line we should point out. Because uh, the deadline isn't until November 26th, which is Monday. 
uh, way ahead of the deadline, the Sounders came out and just released, just before we started recording the show on Monday night, uh, released their option exercises and option declines and free agencies and all that type of thing. And so it shows that at least one team is uh, already thinking about 2019 and making those decisions. Uh, You would imagine the LA Galaxy will have had to either make that decision here in the next coming days or that they've already made that decision for the 26th, you know, Monday. But I mean, in my mind, Kevin, that means that you don't have a guy who's in charge of your soccer operations. You don't have a head coach. Um, So who's making the decisions? And it seems like it's the same guys who were making the decisions last year and the year before that. Well, let me, you, you brought up a lot of points there. Let me try to take on a couple of them. First of all, um, Seattle releases their list early. They're the first one out of the gates with that. A couple of things about that. Um, from a strategic sense, you wonder if maybe they're, they release that a little bit too early. There's no bonus points for releasing it early. It doesn't really help you. Yes, uh, it, this tells us that Seattle has a very clear picture of their team and where they're going and what they want to do. But what I always worry about with that is what if there was an injury? What if there's uh, a guy becomes unhappy? What if something happens over the next week um, that you're not anticipating? Now you have to go back to you've already told players that we're not exercising your option or we are exercising yours. We do want you. We don't want this guy. Now if something changes, you have to go back to a player that you've already tipped your hand. You've already told them what you thought of them. And now you have to go back and say, hey, you know what? We changed our mind. That's never a good thing. But what I will say about Seattle is it shows they're confident, shows they know what they're doing. And it's transparent. And that's one thing I think MLS and the Galaxy have a big problem with, transparency. You said that they have to let the league know in writing. They don't have to let us know. They don't have to let the media or the season ticket holders or the fans know. Uh, Seattle has done all of that. They've told the league. They've told the media. They've told the season ticket holders what they're doing. They announced it on their website. It wasn't a press release, so everybody could could see that. So uh, just uh, the transparency I like about it. But you you wonder a little bit maybe if they did it too early. Now you talk about last year, Ziggy um, did not exercise the option on 12 or 13 players. Remember the year before that, it was 10 um, you know players that they got rid of. So this is you know now the the equivalent of a full roster. Plus that they the Galaxy have moved uh, on the option trade deadline the last couple of years. So um, are they going to do that again? And you're right to say who is making these decisions. We know who's making them for Seattle. Who's making them for the Galaxy? Chris Klein was involved with Pete Vianas a couple of years ago in that house cleaning. That didn't work out. We know that. They lost 18 games and finished last for the first time ever. Uh, Ziggy's uh, you know house cleaning last year. He didn't even finish the season. So, um, you know, he's the one that made the decisions on on those roster moves, and the Galaxy didn't let him finish the season. Now Chris Klein is essentially saying he's washed his hands of all that, at least his public statements. They're not going to make any decisions about the roster moves. They're not going to hire a coach. That's all going to be done by whatever title they give this guy, GM or or the, the, the chief of soccer operations. Chris Klein continues to say that guy, whoever that is, uh, hasn't been hired yet. Hasn't We don't know of any candidates really yet that they've publicly discussed. Whoever that person is is going to make all those decisions. But that person's not hired yet, and we have a week to go before those decisions have to be made. So it, it's shaping up to be a very interesting thing. First of all, I think some of the decisions are probably pretty easy, but the Galaxy have gone out of their way to say that this new person is in charge of all this roster makeup stuff, yet they're going to make the preliminary de- decisions without that person in place, seemingly, unless right. something happens in the next five days. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you, so you'd, have to ima- you'd have to imagine that if you were going to have that person make those decisions, Kevin, that they would already have to have been in place. So, I mean, it's almost like it's already too late, because who's going to be able to come in and look at the roster in the next, you know, five days and try to make decisions on all those. I mean, you can do it, you could, but certainly they're going to need to lean on a bunch of people anyway. So it already seems like it's behind the ball. And remember, this is a team, Kevin, that you and I know really started this, you know, GM slash, you know, president of soccer operations search immediately after parting ways, excuse me, immediately after firing Siggy Schmidt. Um, so this is, this. it's not like, oh, well, they've just been pressed for time. This has been something now that has been ongoing since Siggy Schmidt left, and they've been having to try to find a solution to this particular issue, and they, they haven't come up with one yet. And the interesting thing is, is one of the things I've always been taught is when you fire a coach, a general manager, whatever it is that you're doing, um, a coach is a little bit different and, and because generally you, you take a little bit of time, but 
the point is generally when you do that, you want to have an idea of who is going to replace that person. For example, if you think Ziggy Schmidt is an okay coach, but you can do better, but then there's nobody better out there. Well, keep the guy you got. Uh, and I'm not saying that the galaxy had that decision. I'm just saying, I think it's very unusual for them to fire the, the, the coach, decide that they're going to hire a general manager, that they're going to have all this upheaval yet more than two months later, they still haven't made one move to, uh, you know, towards solving these issues. Did they not, know who was out there. Again, generally, before you make a move, um, you need to know where you're going, who's be- who's out there, that who's better that you can go get in the galaxy. If they had somebody better in mind, why haven't they hired them yet? If they didn't have somebody better in mind, did maybe they pull the, the switch a little too early on Ziggy without really knowing where they're going with that? Yeah, it's interesting when you look at AEG and what's going on both with the Kings and the Galaxy right now. It seems like there's disarray. Obviously, uh, both of those sort of fall at the feet of, uh, of Dan Beckerman right now. So it's interesting to see maybe if his team, if his uh, if his job is possibly in jeopardy now whenever you look at what is happening with both of those franchises. Because really, you have to measure his success on, on both of them and then a whole bunch of other things whenever it comes to being president of AEG um, and, and how that works. But at the same time, there's two high-profile teams within the leagues that they're they're in that are struggling mightily um and it can't look very good on on AEG right now with the way that both of their teams are, are sort of behaving and and people and I know fans were asking and I thought it was humorous they're like when is somebody going to ask you know Phil Anschutz went what what he's going to do about you know both of these teams the LA Kings and and I said you know Phil Anschutz is very good at never putting himself in a position to having to answer that question to to anybody who has a microphone on or any within any earshot and I was trying to remember if there was ever a time that I, I remember Phil Anschutz actually sitting down and doing an interview um, and I don't I haven't read one in recent years about anything related to the Galaxy or or the LA Kings. I, do you remember anything off the top of your head? Well, actually, Bill Plaskin and I got to meet him uh, right before the twenty. Uh, I think it was the twenty eleven um, MLS Cup, the mm-hmm. one that was played in a in a quagmire. Remember, it was yep. pouring rain. Yep. We we were escorted down to um, Phil Anschutz's suite, and we got to meet him and talk to him. And Bill actually asked him several questions. Because he's Bill Plaskin, he gets to do that. But it was, I don't remember anything penetrating. It was more like, isn't this great? We're in the MLS Cup final, and I think they're playing Houston then. And he yep. said, you know, my team against my team. And so it was, it, there wasn't anything um, uh, substantial that were asked or that was, uh, you know, said in that interview. But I do have some news on a potential. Um, general manager, director of let's, soccer let, operations. Let, let's get into this. First of all, let me tee you up for this because uh, we've heard. And then the na- you can go get a beer. Go over to the corner of the galaxy yes. commissary yeah. and and uh, get yourself a beer. Why? Because this will take a while. I was going to say this is when producer Josh gets to like hit the mute button and kick his feet up and and stretch out a little bit. But uh, Kevin, doing some excellent uh, reporting as normal, and uh, you know everybody seems to uh, seems to love Kevin whenever he's pulling out all these stops and doing this stuff. Except whenever the two LA teams play each other, then you're 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 you're, you're enemy number one, Kevin. Uh, whenever that happens, but uh, right now hitting it all the Chargers things. and the Rams. Yeah, the Chargers and the Rams. Exactly. When they play each other, you're in trouble. Um, no, but Kevin did some great stuff. We, we've heard the name uh, Dennis Close. We we know that we've talked about it. I have hinted, and Kevin, you and I have hinted that perhaps uh, and a contract offer had been made, um, and that perhaps uh, he had turned it down. But you, uh, you have some updates on this, and this makes this podcast totally worth listening to and telling all your friends about. So that's my plug there. But Kevin, uh, what did you learn? Okay, again, the caveat is everything the Galaxy does is absolutely as transparent as concrete. So we have no independent confirmation on the club side from this. So the club has left us to our own devices to try to piece this stuff together on our own. And here's what I have pieced together, talking, first of all, to a number of sources very close to the club. I was told that on the day that Chris Klein announced that Johan, uh, that uh, Pete Viennes had been fired, again, talking about the idea of you don't make a move unless you have a subsequent move, a replacement in mind already. So they announced on election day, which was November 6th, that uh, Pete Viennes had been fired. That day, I'm told, they offered the job of director of soccer operations excuse me, to Dennis DeClose, who is a former soccer director for Chivas USA and is now the director of the Mexican national team program. So they fire Viennes in the morning, offered DeClose that, the same job that day. Uh, and I was told by Wednesday that, uh, that they had actually begun uh, dis- discussing contract terms. Now, I'm not sure if that part of it is true. Uh, a Univision reporter reported shortly after that that the close was very happy in Mexico and was not apt to leave, that he was very content 
and uh, wanted to be there. Uh, we do know that he talked to San Jose earthquakes earlier. Uh, how serious that got, I don't know, but it's interesting that he apparently uh, talked to the earthquakes and, and now is in the in position of not accepting the galaxies offered. This is now two weeks after it's been offered uh, to him. I did speak to to Dennis over the weekend. I've been trying to reach him, and I finally got him uh, through email and through text messages over the weekend. And what he told me is that first of all, he's been at the U20 World Cup qualifying tournament and was not uh, really focused on the Galaxy 100%. He was watching the Mexican national team play there. But then he did tell me, uh, as far as the Galaxy job, I said, are you coming? Have you made a decision? Do you want to come here? And he said, I first have to get my head around things at the uh, FMF, which is the Mexican Football Federation. And, And then he said, I have been working there since 2011 and will need a couple of weeks to see where we stand. So if he hasn't turned the job down yet, if he's still considering it, he's saying he needs a couple of weeks at least before he's going to commit to that. That takes us certainly past this uh, contract deadline, takes us into the free, probably into the free agent window, which starts right after the, uh, and the trade window, which starts right after uh, MLS Cup. If he's talking a couple of weeks, um, he might not be in place much before Christmas. That seems to be far too late in this process. Again, the Galaxy without a coach, um, they've already decided they're going to leave the roster determinations up to this new director of soccer operations. The close says he's not going to be able to make a decision in a couple of weeks. Um, if the galaxy are certain that they're going to get him and they like him and they think he's the guy, it's probably worth waiting a couple of weeks. Right. But what if he decides right in the middle of December or just before the holidays that he doesn't want to do it? Then all of a sudden you're going into the new year without anybody in position that would seem to be a real disaster that could be coming together for the galaxy. Yeah, I think it's important. Kevin, you and I both felt this way when we talked to each other and you know, just talking to different people and taking all the sources and all the things you hear and sort of trying to put this puzzle together. Uh, we both think that you know, at best case, at least this is my view, best case scenario right now is it's a 50-50 decision. Uh, whether or not Toclos would, would want to either stay with you know, the Mexican Federation or if he wants to come to the LA Galaxy. It's, it's literally a coin flip. So the LA Galaxy if they are patient enough to wait and if this is their number one guy which Kevin by all accounts it certainly seems like it's their number one guy as a matter of fact I would I would almost venture to say it feels like it's the only guy um, at least the only guy whose name has popped up where we believe there's still a possibility of that happening um, you look at that and say okay so how many you know how many eggs are you willing to put in the in the to close basket um, in order to be the LA Galaxy and project this out, you're absolutely right. If you wait and with a coin flip right now, I mean, you're talking, you know, betting odds. It's it would be it, it's not in your favor. It doesn't feel like I would even say that it's slanted more towards to close staying than even if you're going to say 50-50. Maybe 50-50 is too generous. But do you, you want he did also say that there is nothing. There's not anything completely formal yet, and that kind of gives the impression. Again, he said there's some things he needs to get his head around and he hasn't made it. He says he needs a couple of weeks to do that. But then he said nothing completely formal yet. That's not saying no. That's not saying what he apparently told the Univision reporter, which is that he's happy in Mexico. That's just saying nothing is done yet. To me, you can you can parse that a number of different ways um, that he doesn't want to close the door. And so he is, you know, maybe heading toward the door, but he hasn't closed it yet. Or you could say they're in negotiations and and. Uh, you know, the fact that he reached out to me after, uh, again, I reached out to him, but the fact that he finally responded to me is, you know, is maybe, is he negotiating through the media, which a lot of people in soccer do, Right. is the fact that he, you know, is he trying to make it seem doubtful, um, yet keeping the door open to let the galaxy know, this may not happen, you, you guys. Remember, I asked for more money. Well, now I'm telling the media I'm not coming too, so you guys better get on the stick. This could totally be a negotiating ploy as well. But either way, each day that passes, is it's bad for the galaxy. Yeah, it drags the decision out longer. It makes it more difficult to sort of to compete in this, in this what we call highly competitive, you know, uh, MLS that it's trying to find. And by the way, there's there's more coaches who have left. Uh, Oscar Pereja just uh, parted ways with FC Dallas. It looks like in uh, he's headed towards uh, Tijuana and the Cholos there, uh, taking over that coaching job. Um, so that that's great for Oscar Pereja, but you're talking about another team that is going to be looking for a head coach, um, and the LA Galaxy don't have that GM, that that director of soccer or president of soccer operations that they need in order to hire a coach. And so again, all the time that gets out there means that your options of picking somebody up, 
they change. I'm not going to say that they get slimmer because you never know what happens. Somebody could get fired in the EPL and that person decides they want to come to MLS right away. You, you yeah, ne- that long line of EPL coaches just, that, that come to MLS. But you're, you're right. I mean, Tato Martino's gone, so now, or we think he's gone, so now Atlanta needs a new coach. Uh, San Jose just hired one. We got Mark DeSantos going to Vancouver, uh, so that's a guy that's that's not there. As you said, Dallas needs one. Greg Berhalter now appears ready to join the national team, which means the Galaxy won't get him, but also means Columbus needs to get a new coach. Uh, So, and the other thing about the longer the the Galaxy wait to get this done is it on the back end, it sort of uh, there's a time crunch there now. So if you look at it and say, hey, the Galaxy have you know, two months, more than two months before training camp to hire a coach, that's great. Well, if they hire the GM in the middle of December, all of a sudden we got one month. So that two-month thing is shrunk in half. And the longer you go on, the more compressed that time schedule comes. And then you're absolutely right. The fewer candidates that uh, are likely to be available. Yeah. Uh, again, the dates that are coming up, we have the November 26th, which is that option exercise deadline for teams that are no longer in the MLS Cup playoffs or their season is over with. Um, then you have December 9th, which is a half day trade window, which uh, then goes to uh, eventually a blackout period later in the day. Um, on December 9th, you have December 11th, which is the MLS expansion draft with FC Cincinnati coming in and the LA Galaxy have to protect 11 players. Um, I'm going to have an article about that, and I already put out uh, my protected 11. Actually, it seems like it's a it's a no-brainer in terms of the 11 that you're going to protect. Uh, it's one of the easier ones I think I've ever done, and there's no real arguments because you are losing a lot of players, and you're risking some players that you probably are going to risk anyway, and there's probably some guys who have high contracts, that type of thing. So now you, protect, you protected all three DPs, correct? I did, and I think you have to. Um, because why, why not, uh, just for the sake of argument, yeah. playing devil's advocate, why, why not leave Geo unprotected if, if – you you buy the fact that the Galaxy do want to move him, that they need an open DP spot, and and that's an if. But if you buy that, if, if someone were to take, take if him. Cincinnati were to take Gio, which they won't, right? Um, that takes one big headache off your hands. It also takes six and a half million dollars off your hands. But then at the same time, there's no way Cincinnati takes on six and a half million dollars in contract for their first season. So now you get to protect another player that you maybe you, know, you didn't want you to lose. Be able to protect anyways. Yeah. Well, here is here is the main catch for this, and this is the the assumption that we have to make because we don't know the answers to this. If a player has a no trade clause, which it is very likely that all three of the designated players the LA Galaxy have, and especially Giovanni dos Santos, have a no trade clause, then you have to protect them because designated players are not automatically protected. So. It's, but he's not being traded. It, being it doesn't matter if they have a no-trade clause. If there is a no-trade clause, you must protect them. That's one of the rules of the MLS expansion draft that always gets people. And that was the first thing. Somebody asked to put out the list of people that uh, I would protect and, and do all that stuff. And the first thing they all want to do is, they, how come you protected Gio? It's like, well, he he has a no-trade clause. Guaranteed it's in there. Um, because that would have been something with the amount of money he makes uh, that he's protected. And maybe Roman Alessandrini doesn't have a no-trade clause. Um, but you want to keep Roman, so you're to protect him anyway so it doesn't really matter but you're gonna have to protect geo and you're going to protect geo it's unless he doesn't have a no trade clause if he doesn't i'm in agreement with you but i I, imagine the rules are going to dictate that you have to protect giovanni dos santos so don't be surprised when that comes out i have a coaching candidate for you yes most successful coach in the americas since mid-september most successful coach in the americas uh okay who Diego Maradona. Oh my god. No, you're just plugging your article now. That's I don't I don't I don't He's yeah. got he's got them into the semifinals of uh the Liga de Ascenso, the second division team in uh, league in Mexico. He's got the Sin- uh, the uh, Dorados of Sinaloa into the uh, playoffs. He may get them promoted if they still have promotion. I think they had a one-year hiatus on that. But Imagine, you know, the Galaxy are all about big names, right? Steven Gerrard and guys that don't necessarily contribute, but big names. That's the biggest name right now in coaching, uh, him and, he and Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I was going to say, right right neck and neck there. Yeah, I, I think I also saw a video of him answering a, a cell phone during one of the games, too. He was that's how a, good he is. That's, that's how good he is. He, he can multitask. He can multitask. It makes sense to me. He had no idea where he was. That's why. That's he it. thought it was an alarm clock. It could have. It very well could have been. But anyway, I mean, that's all the things that you start to push this stuff, and, and the schedule becomes very compressed. Uh, all these roster-building things eventually lead up to you know an MLS super draft, too, Kevin. So you have all these things. You have free agency that opens up. You have, you have things that you have have to get in order you have to understand what your team is going to look like and in order to really know what your team is going to look like heaven 
you have to know what your who your coach is because different coaches like different formations, like different things, and whether or not your GM is going to be able to work with that person as well. So it's not stuff that we haven't talked about before, Kevin. We've talked about the fact that Galaxy feel like they're behind the proverbial eight ball uh, in terms of making this decision. You have to remember that Chris Klein said that they had an internal timeline that they were going to adhere to um, and that that they wouldn't share that with us. Um, but that they certainly had a timeline that they knew that they had to meet. So now you almost wonder, is this exceeding their internal timeline? Because, again, you and I both walked away with the same sort of understanding or at least the same energy that came from that, you know, the last media availability, the exit interviews, when we talked to Chris Klein, it felt like a hiring was imminent, like it was going to happen the next day. And that's why I believe that the close story about he was offered the contract the next, uh, he was offered the job that night and the contract the next day, I, I believe that because... Uh, just again, like you, the feeling I got at that, at that meeting, it was like, don't leave your cell phone behind because you're going to have another announcement coming any minute now. Right. And it did. And maybe it wasn't like, you know, the next, the next day, or maybe it was within that week. Cause it happened on a Tuesday. I certainly felt by Friday that we would have, you know, some sort of indication of what it was. And we did sort of get led to, uh, to close. And listen, I think for the record that to close would be, and he has a track record of doing this, be a really good organizer of this LA galaxy front office. Um, I think he's a guy who, who currently is a director of the FMF, you know, sort of coordinates things across all the different age levels and keeps some consistency between those. Uh, we've seen the success that he's had at Chivas USA. Quite honestly, the Chivas USA years that he was in charge of were very good years for Chivas USA. Bob Bradley was head coach then. So he put together a, a fairly good you know, team. And in fact, those Chivas USA teams were finishing above the LA Galaxy during those times. So you look at you look at what he's able to do and his 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 ability to sort of look at young talent and his 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 encouragement of that young talent is something that I think the LA Galaxy could really benefit from. So when you look at all these things, I think to close could be great, but at what cost, Kevin? I mean you, how long do you wait? And, you know, eventually that waiting becomes the biggest issue and the biggest sort of thing that can cripple this LA Galaxy team because you're you're seeing right now that there's still no direction or at least there's no outward direction that is available to fans or reporters or anybody else who's trying to watch this team. Uh, and then you have a really, really big issue, Kevin. That big issue is a six foot five Swede guy. Name's Latan Ibrahimovic, and and remember, it's Ibrahimovic. I heard of him. Yeah, I, that's what I figured you might have heard of him. He is, you know, basically the biggest thing that happened to the LA Galaxy in a very long time, and with 22 goals and 10 assists, uh, he was the major reason the LA Galaxy were within, you know, 45 minutes of winning, uh, of headed to the playoffs this year. Um, so they have to keep him, and that's a huge issue for the Galaxy right now with hit basically Zlatan coming out and saying that you have to do things that are going to appease me in order to keep me. And one of those things is going to be to have a competitive team. Um, and so all of these things is sort of, sort of leading into it. And that, that brings me to, uh, you know, our, our latest sort of update on Zlatan, or at least, uh, an update on people around Zlatan as, uh, MLS, uh, galaxy, uh, sporting director or technical director, I guess, uh, Jovan Karofsky was interviewed at the Y scout conference in Amsterdam. Now the Y scout conference is where technical directors, sporting directors, people in upper echelons of football can meet with scouts and they can network and they can, you know, shake hands and say, Oh, I have this player. Oh, you have this. It's basically a, a way to get everybody together. Uh, Jovan Karofsky was there for the Y Scout conference and was uh, interviewed by um, a particular outlet. I'm going to try to figure out if I can uh, get the exact name of the outlet. You know, I think here. the Galaxy thought that that was about something else. I think they heard the thing and said, why Scout? And they're like, yeah, why Scout? We yeah. don't. We, you, we scout? This, this is like, this is the anti-scouting uh, thing. Yeah, you, everybody scout? just, yeah, yeah, your you, Galaxy goes, that's a perfect organization for us. So uh, so the Y Scout conference, uh, basically, uh, Jovan Karofsky was interviewed by the editor-in-chief of Gianluca Di Mar- Marzio, I believe is, is how you say that. Um, it's Italian. It's an Italian outlet. Uh, and basically, it was talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the direct quote that came was uh, from Jovan Karofsky says, Ibrahimovic is a fantastic player both for us and the football movement and MLS. He's the best player to arrive in the American League. He's a killer. He always wants to win and score. He currently doesn't have an expiring contract. He still has one year on his deal. We want him to be happy within our team and we are working on keeping him on the Galaxy. He's a special pl- He's a special player, unique for us. Uh, now, that's the end of the quote there. I will say this, that you all 
all knew that uh, that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was not uh, didn't have an option or wasn't out of contract. That he does have a contract for the 2019 season. That was a question I asked directly to Chris Klein during that media availability. And, and basically, when I said, "Well, then you could hold you know Zlatan's feet to the fire. You could you could keep him here um, if you wanted to because you could just enforce the contract." Uh, Chris Klein, you know, balked at that as quite honestly as rightfully he should, um, and said, "You know, basically this is all based on relationships, and you have to have a good relationship." And and it's right. It would be a PR disaster. And Kevin, you and I talked about this. It would be a PR disaster if they tried to force Zlatan Ibrahimovic to stay. Um, so the best thing to do here is to make Zlatan Ibrahimovic happy. Um, and trying to do that is going to be uh, it's going to be difficult, especially when you don't have a general manager in place to start making decisions about the 2019 team. Yeah, well, I have some explaining to do about that. Um, so go get another beer because okay. I have a theory about Zlatan's contract. Now, this is based on nothing other than just hearing people talk and, and trying to, again, piece things together uh, without uh, any help from our friends at the Galaxy who remain non-transparent. And anyway, here's what I was thinking. We know that that the Galaxy, I know that Dan Beckerman had told me uh, just before the start of the curtain awful season that he had made a contract offer. He, on behalf of the Galaxy, had made a contract offer, the richest contract offer in MLS history. Uh, to a superstar in Europe. I've since found out, we know now that that person was Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That the contract offer at the richest in MLS history means it had to be above $7.2 million, which is what Kaká was getting. So we know it's a contract in excess of $7.2 million that went to Zlatan. Uh, right as they were negotiating that, and the Galaxy had an open DP spot, which they kept open, um, then Zlatan got hurt. That was in April. Right after that, Chris Klein came to me and said that the whole thing with Slot Tom was off, that they were not pursuing that anymore. The guy was injured. They were kind of keeping an eye on him. But but as far as, uh, you know, it, it, negotiations ongoing, that was over. So the Galaxy then in August signed Jonathan Dos Santos. That takes up their final DP spot. They have no DP spots left. At the time, you can argue that that was a smart decision by the Galaxy because Slot Tom, the guy that they were pushing for, looked like he was done. So they signed Jonathan lock up all three DP spots through at least 2019. Then two months late, three months later, in November, Zlatan comes back and plays a game for Manchester United and looks as if he may be able to play again. Um, so lo and behold, the Galaxy start talking to him again. In, uh, in March, Manchester United allows him to leave on a free transfer. The Galaxy sign him, but they don't have any money to pay him. So my sense is now, in listening to people talk about we're not going to hold Zlatan's feet to the fire, yes, we have a contract with him, but if he wants to leave, he can leave. What I'm hearing in that is they had a handshake agreement or maybe even something more formal than that where they told Zlatan, look, the best we can do is we'll pay you $1.5 million. You come over here, you play well, and then it will, it, it will trigger a clause where we will get you a DP contract or you can leave. In other words, they still have him under contract, but he can leave. He has the option to leave if they can't do better than $1.5 million. There's precedent for this. Remember, Nigel de Jong had a contract similar to that. Right. It was reversed in that the Galaxy had the decision. Uh, if he played 23 games, the Galaxy had to make him a DP. And if you remember, Dan Beckerman forced him out before he was able to uh, play those 23 games that he needed to get that, that two-year DP contract. Bruce Arena, by the way, says now that he thinks that the Galaxy could have won MLS Cup or could have competed for MLS Cup had they kept Nigel de Jong. If you remember, they lost in the conference semifinals that year to Colorado. But back to Zlatan. So my belief is that there is a contract agreement that says that if Zlatan comes back this year, he comes back as a DP. Uh, again, based on nothing other than just intuition. And that puts the onus on the Galaxy to move one of these DPs or buy down uh, Alessandrini's contract uh, because a lot, that's why Zalatan is sort of soft peddling the money thing. He knows he knows where the bodies are buried. He knows what the contract is. He knows that he needs to give the Galaxy some time to work this out. He's also talked about he wants to play for a winner. He he's basically demanding changes in the coaching staff, uh, or uh, you know, a, a new coach is de demanding some changes in the front office structure to give the Galaxy a chance to win. I think he will be watching very closely. Uh, which players they uh, offer contract extensions to and which players they go out and try to get. But so my sense is that there is a there is something to this idea that either Alessandrini has to be traded or bought down 
or one of the Dos Santos brothers have to be moved because they do need to create place for uh, Zlatan. And that's why he's kind of been soft peddling it. And that's why the Galaxy have gone out of their way to say they're not going to hold his feet to the fire and force him to come back. Yeah, it could be. It also could be why he's, you know, heavily negotiating and it feels like that is still happening with AC Milan as a fallback position. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic didn't get anywhere by being stupid, Kevin. Uh, and so he's he's a smart guy. He is going to have a fallback plan in place in case the LA Galaxy can't fulfill their end of any deal that they have either said they're going to make or, or you know, some of the things that they're going to give him. Um, I think it's no surprise that, you know, that, that the key here is really what Giovanni Dos Santos could be doing and whether or not he moves um, and whether or not he's able to move. And then everything sort of figures itself out pretty easily, actually. In fact, the LA Galaxy get a designated player in Zlatan Ibrahimovic making as much money as the LA Galaxy want to pay him. It doesn't really matter how much. Um, and they open up some TAM money uh, in that spot for another max TAM player. So really, the LA Galaxy could get significantly better if they can move Giovanni Dos Santos. The other option, which is you can't really buy down, and I know people use this all the time, um, but you can't buy down Alison Drini's contract. You're going to have to negotiate a new contract for him, and maybe that works. Maybe you can give him $1.5 million for the next, you know, three years now and give him a three-year contract extension instead of, you know, the $2 million for the next two years that he has or for the next year uh, that he has still remaining on his contract through 2019. Maybe that makes some sense. So you extend it, you lower his overall rate, but you give him more money in the total terms of the contract. That makes some sense for me, but you're still ultimately, quote-unquote, stuck with Giovanni Dos Santos, hoping that he can be somewhat useful in $6.5 million. He doesn't fit the system anymore with the way that the Galaxy play. It's difficult for to find him a place in that system right now, especially with Jonathan Dos Santos and Spashlin and Jet patrolling the middle there. So really, the uh, the round peg in the square hole Giovanni Dos Santos really needs to be go put on another team that has you know some some round holes to be filled instead of trying to fill here on the LA Galaxy. So... It's it's a really I I don't know you know like you said it's a theory Kevin I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was a kicker in there that said hey if you do X about X this and X that then we have to offer you a designated player contract of some sort that we have to free up a spot that we have to do something and maybe the Galaxy thought that they could get rid of Giovanni Dos Santos rather easily we know that there were talks at one point of possibly moving Giovanni Dos Santos I've told you I don't know how serious those talks were. Uh, whether or not they could move Gio and whether or not, and I was told by a, a source that said that the Galaxy have never seriously tried to move uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. And so maybe they get serious this offseason and something actually happens. But all of this is leading, and you look at no coach, you look at no general manager, you look at Giovanni Dos Santos, and you look at the fact that the Galaxy don't have a designated player spot. All these things are leading into what, Kevin, I think are you know sort of Zlatan's demands. And we had a question come in from a fan about... Um, this is from Trevor. Trevor writes in uh, Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter says, uh, do we know exactly what Zlatan's demands were in order for him to stick around? We don't know exactly, Kevin, but we, we've we certainly been able to infer what we think are some of them. And most of them are stuff that you and I just talked about, which was designated player contract and a significant raise. Um, and then the uh, the 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 ability for the galaxy to be competitive again, and that, that means GM, coach, players, all these things have to sort of fall in line in order for Zlatan Ibrahimovic to think that this team has it figured out and can be a competitor, not just in the playoffs, but to win MLS Cup next year, because that's the standard Zlatan's going to hold us to. Well, and I do think my theory kind of makes all that work, and I do think that the longer the galaxy go along without filling those positions the more Zlatan is thinking these guys are not serious about this. Um, you know, I go back to when they signed Jonathan, by the way, because at that time they did have an open DP spot, and I remember both you and I together uh, went up to Chris Klein and said, now you're, you're locked in uh, for three DPs for two years through 2019. Um, that's a bad position to be in. What if someone comes along and, you know, and, and of course we were thinking it was a lot of time at the time, but what if someone comes along and you want to go get them and you don't have a DP spot? And what he said at the time was that, that we've signed some of these players for under market value. And by the way, when you say that there's been no serious trade talk about Giovanni, that's because when the galaxy bring that up and someone says that they might take him their their, their response is always, are you serious? Really? <laughs> I mean, they're so surprised by it uh, that yes. anyone would take him. But he did say, Chris Klein did say that, uh, especially speaking of Jonathan, that they had signed him for $2 million that they considered that under market value and that they could move him if they needed to, if it, they got in a dire situation, they needed a DP spot. Well, Obviously, we know now that that's not true. What we've also found out is that when 
when Jonathan came over, he had two years left on his contract uh, with the Spanish team, with uh, Villarreal. Villarreal. When he came yeah. over, the, the Galaxy essentially signed him to a new contract, apparently, from what, we, uh, from what we've heard, because Jonathan says his contract lasts three more years, when in fact, if he was over under the old Villarreal contract, it would expire at the end of the next season. So the Galaxy apparently brought him in, gave him a new contract, which is common when players are acquired, uh, gave him a new contract, which complicates their DP situation even further. Yeah, if, and so I, I it, think... I, I was, was going to say, no, if that's true, and we've been, I want to emphasize, emphasize this because you and I have really been trying to figure this out, and there's just been absolutely stonewalled. They, they uh, said the Galaxy tell us they don't know how long the contract is for one of their three DPs. Now, either A, their line, or B, how can you not know how long a contract is for one of your three DPs? Yeah, and it wasn't like we brought it up either. This was something that was said in media availability from a designated player when he said, I have three more years left on my contract. And that was said, huh? What? Well, Question mark? here's the way that this would be a typical way for the guys to get around it. When he came in, we said his contract with Villarreal is for two more years through 2019. Yes, that is correct. Okay. But what they didn't add is that perhaps he had been signed to a new contract. And the reason I bring that up is because the Galaxy are insistent that he has not signed a contract extension. Right. So all that could be true. His contract with Villarreal lasted two more seasons. True. He hasn't signed a contract extension. True. But what they don't say is he did sign a new contract when he came. So that that could be the way this all adds up. Now, I will say I got an email from a Italian reporter today okay. asking about Zlatan. Yes, yes. And well, the, from, the AC Milan rumors continue to quote unquote be on fire. Uh, well, whenever it comes to what he tells me, that Raiola, who's the manager, uh, the uh, agent for Zlatan, is currently in in serious talks with Milan. Uh, for a 18-month contract that would start in when the transfer window opens in January. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, and and I mean I can see how that would work. 18 months would be a year, a season and a half, take him right up to retirement. Um, Zalatan has already said, "I belong to the Galaxy." If I belong to the Galaxy, and he went out of his way to repeat that, if I belong to a team, I am devoted to that team. Well, if he doesn't belong to that team anymore, yep. if they can't move a DP, or if he decides they haven't made the the corrections in the front office that he apparently wants, he no longer belongs to the Galaxy. So I don't think Zlatan is lying. I think Zlatan is parsing his language. I think both these things could be true. I think Rayola could be talking to Milan. He could be serious. Um, Maybe to force the Galaxy to do something or maybe just to keep the options open because the Galaxy need to take care of this designated player situation and probably the next, by mid-December, I would guess, they don't have a, a general manager. They don't have a coach set up yet to help with that. I mean, it, it does appear to be a huge mess. And if this stuff out of Italy is true, um, again, I don't think Zalatan's lying. I think basically the Galaxy are on the clock to get this DP stuff done uh, by, you know, the end of the year. And then if not, then he'll, he's going to go to Milan. I could see I could see all that being true. And I could also see Zalatan you know, re-signing or, or reaching an agreement with the Galaxy in mid-December, and then the Milan thing goes out the, out the door. Yeah, it's it, the pressure that is ratcheting down on the front office right now is greater than at any point, I think, that I've seen during the, you know, covering them. Kevin, you reported uh, that somebody had told you, you know, that everybody's nervous in that front office, and, and quite honestly, they, they probably should be. Um, with the way that things are going right now, there's no clear defined path moving forward. You have, uh, you know, the biggest name the league has seen in, in quite some time. You know, certainly since uh, since David Beckham's arrival is here. He scores uh, 22 goals. He has a hand in 32 total goals whenever he comes into Major League Soccer off of major surgery. I mean, this is a guy who's looking to hit his stride whenever he comes back to MLS in 2019. But he wants a competitive team, and the Galaxy so far have shown that they are not a competitive team. They weren't last year. Um, you know, 27. 17 was a bust. 2018 got better, but it certainly wasn't like, you know, that team was unstoppable, although I'd still, you know, sort of pondered that if they did make it into the playoffs that they were going to be a dangerous team. You can you can certainly say that, and they may have ended up in an MLS Cup. I don't know if the, there was any team that could have stopped them. You know, it's one of those, but you, you can't say that because they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the, the last 45 minutes they played was, you know, some of the ugliest 45 minutes they played all year. So you look at all these things, and this is all the pressure that is ratcheting down on this LA Galaxy front office. Maybe it's not worth it to them, Kevin. Maybe it's not worth it to have Zlatan Ibrahimovic with the LA Galaxy next year. I mean, they do have guys like Ola Kamara. 
Uh, they have guys like Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos and Roman Alessandrini. And having said all that, it's ridiculous to think that the Galaxy would even theorize or, or, or entertain the idea of not trying to retain Zlatan Ibrahimovic. To me, the jobs of almost everybody in the front office, and that probably includes even all the way up to Dan Beckerman, um, probably rest and rely around the fact that they're able to retain Zlatan Ibrahimovic for the 2019 season. Winning cures everything. And having Zlatan comes, come back is going to make a lot of people smile. It's going to change a lot of things. It's going to be easier to sell season tickets. It's going to make the team a contender, all those things. But let's just, for the sake of argument, and let me get really super negative here, and I admit that going into this, right. let's get super negative and look on the dark side of everything and just say if Zlatan doesn't come back, over the last two years that would have mean – Bruce Arena left to go to the national team. So you can't really say that they pushed him out or that he left. But they did push Dave Sarakin out as the associate head coach by cutting the salary in half, forcing him to leave. Then they did fire the next two coaches that they hired. Um, Kurt, that yeah. happened. Kurt, they brought in Kurt and uh, and Ziggy Schmidt. Right. They, and, and Ziggy was a the guy they recruited and they fired him. They did. Um, just before Bruce left, they did have Nigel de Jong, a, an international superstar, a guy they brought in that signed a below-budget contract uh, saying that he would prove himself and stay. They they kind of forced him out and said they weren't going to honor that contract. There was a handshake agreement between Bruce and Ashley Cole for some additional money if he came back for a second year and proved he could play. The team reneged on that. They may have made good uh, on that in the last year, but basically reneged on that. Um, they brought in Gio, Giovanni Dos Santos, who did not perform. Uh, they brought in Steven Gerrard, who did not have a good time here, from what I could tell. So uh, the point is, there has been a lot of failures that are starting to add up. And if it's true that Dennis DeClose doesn't take the job, now they can't attract a guy from the Mexican Federation, a former Chivas guy, to come over and run what's supposed to be the, the biggest club in MLS. I mean, it, all that adds up to a situation where coaches and big name players from Europe, they, they may think twice before coming to the galaxy when in, in the past, that was a, a you know, a, a no brainer. If you were coming to MLS, you were coming to the galaxy. Now I think people are going to look around and say, Hey, what's going on in Atlanta looks really good. What's going on in New York at Red Bulls in New York city look pretty good. Seattle seems to have figured a few things out. Um, all of a sudden, I don't think the galaxy becomes the destination. And again, that's taking the negative view on everything. They said, you know, we could get off this this podcast tonight, wake up tomorrow and find out Zalatan's coming back and DeClose is uh, uh, coming and he's hired Maradona as coach and everything's fine. Right. But I'm just, again, taking a look. If this thing does go south, sort of the all this stuff adding up over years is not a good look. Well, and the other thing, and, and I certainly know that there are some Galaxy fans who would disagree with me and, and look at it, but if the reports were true... Uh, which we believe them to be true, that there was at one point discussions with Bruce Arena, and those probably happened closer to when Siggy Schmidt was sacked than you know in recent times. Time, I think, has definitely passed between any conversations they've had with Bruce Arena. But if it's true that they had those talks with Bruce Arena, that they had those things shortly after Siggy Schmidt left, and that they could have brought Bruce in as a director of soccer operations, and that he could have come in and you know sort of already started shaping this thing for the 2019 season, and they, he could have gone out and got a coach that he thought would be useful and work that way. I mean, you could have been down a completely different path. And I certainly think that Bruce Arena, whether or not he's a coach or, or, or anything else, and certainly is the, the role that we understand this president of soccer ops or director of soccer ops to be, is to, you know, set up the organization and soccer-wise on the soccer operation side, uh, you know, across the entire organization if you, that's certainly something that you have to think is right in Bruce Arena's wheelhouse and ability to do, and it's somebody who's had success with the club in the past, and he's coming in after you know having been gone with the U.S. Men's National Team and having that refreshed look and coming and sitting back down and understanding. And he said it that you know you can't have a coach who's a coach and a GM anymore; that you have to have both. And so he would be able to be this general manager with the deals that he was able to pull off, like Nigel De Jong, like Ashley Cole um, before. I mean, you look at some of these things that have happened, and then to be able to put in place a coach that was able to, to you know implement what the players you know the players that Bruce Arena to me that's a solution and it's steering the ship in the correct on the correct course it's getting it back into you know that championship mode that understanding of what it's going to be with anything else the galaxy do right now and especially if they fail with to close who I like I said I like 
to close. I think that he could be a really good, solid answer for the LA Galaxy. And maybe that's worth waiting, Kevin. Maybe that's worth waiting because you understand that this guy is going to be a dynasty curator, that this guy understands the the holistic approach to what the soccer operations job requires and needs. And I certainly think he could be that candidate. Uh, he seems to check the boxes. The fact that he speaks multiple languages, he knows people from around the world, he has connections all across the world, correct connections in Mexico, in the United States, in Europe, all of those things really... Yeah, he's Dutch. People don't understand he's Dutch-born. Yeah, he's Dutch-born. the Dutch youth national team. So, I mean, this, you're talking about somebody who really does check a lot of those boxes, but it's the waiting now and whether or not 2019 can be a lost season. In my mind, with LAFC and their resurgence their ability to get to the playoffs, whether or not they got knocked out in the first game or not, but their ability to get into the playoffs, their ability to push the Galaxy um, and be, you know, the shiny new object in a city that's just, you cannot have another lost season. The Galaxy lost 2017. That is a lost season. Uh, 2018, more or less, they were on the board there. I mean, you can say that they showed something, but if there's any regression from 2018 at all, there can only be progression in order for the LA Galaxy to be successful in 2019. Any regression, anything that stays exactly the same, sees the Galaxy finish in 7th in the Western Conference, even sees them finish in 6th, there needs to be a competitive team in Los Angeles, and for the Galaxy to have another lost season, if they wait and continue to wait, that's a really big risk that it feels like the Galaxy are willing to roll the dice on right now. Well, and I'm going to get angry emails, I know, but there is a competitive team in Los Angeles, and it's not the Galaxy, and that's an even bigger problem. It is a bigger problem. It has been, but it's been a bigger problem since LAFC was announced. I mean, realistically, you looked at what the LA Galaxy should have had to do in 2017, and they totally failed on that. Uh, that was the last season before LAFC. You could have cemented your place as the team in Los Angeles in 2017. You could have done the same thing in 2018, especially with Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming in. But that progression failed as well. So now you go into 2019. You can't just tread water in 2019, Kevin. There has to be significant steps towards being an MLS Cup champion because the only way that you're going to quote-unquote win the battle for Los Angeles is, one, to continue beating and not being defeated by LAFC, which is something that the Galaxy were successful at in 2018, which is why you give them, you know, a little bit of a check mark there. But the fact is, they missed the playoffs. The fact is, they were not an MLS Cup contender. And for in LA, in a city of champions where you have to have big name stars, where you have to have the the ability to go after championships, with all of those things sort of, you know, pointing in that direction, um, you have to be winners next year. You cannot afford to tread water, and it cannot be a learning experience. And being that this right now, the the place that we're in right now, Kevin, this this off season between, you know, really between the, the playoffs not even being over an MLS Cup and the beginning in the training camp of start of, of 2019, this is the time you have and really almost the only time you have to shape your team outside of that summer transfer window for 2019. The Galaxy don't have anybody who is able to guide them in any direction right now or at least in a different direction from what they had last year. So that, that's a serious, serious issue that's still on the table right now. Let me ask you a question. Let's let if the, if the Galaxy loses a lot, Don, mm. if he doesn't come back for whatever reason, right? Who's the biggest star in Los Angeles, soccer wise? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, it's it's got to be Vela, right? That's Carlos. Right. Vela. And th and that's my point. I mean, b assuming that if if Zlatan doesn't come back, that means the Galaxy have the same three DPs. So, so we're yeah. talking about Roman, Gio, and Jonathan dos Santos. I think that makes uh, Carlos Vela the biggest star in LA, and that's another. Uh, place where the galaxy have gone head to head for the battle of uh, you know hearts and minds in LA and and lose. Yeah, it, well, here's the interesting thing. If Giovanni Dos Santos ever became actually good, he would be the biggest star in Los Angeles. If he could oh, play, yeah. because... I, I you know what? I think Carlos Vela would say that, too. I, I think he would. I think that that's sort of been a, an admission of, of Mexican fans for, for years, that Giovanni Dos Santos is probably one of the most popular and also one of the most hated you know players. He's one of those guys who's super divisive. But if he was ever good, and if he ever just really showed up, either for the Mexican national team or for the LA Galaxy, he would be beloved in LA. He could be he's huge. A, Quig of MLS. I mean, a guy with just unbelievable talent, and he, he shows it to you just enough to make you believe in him, but then he goes and just blows it by making boneheaded decisions or, or being hurt or, or not, you know, not competing, whatever it is. You right. just, you can see the talent uh, and it's just there and it's so frustrating not 
to get to see it on a day in day out basis. All right, let's uh, let's move on with a couple more news items before we get out of here. Um, and we have some listener questions I want to close out with as well. And as you'd guess, the listener questions either deal with Slatan Ibrahimovic or, or general manager search. So we can we can touch on those whenever we close everything out. But uh, Ola Kamara was in the news today, and quite rightly so. Uh, as I said on Twitter, Ola Kamara doing Ola Kamara things. He scored a brace today as Norway earned promotion to League B in the UEFA Nas- uh, Nations Champions. Nations League. Um, that's where Norway beat Cyprus two to nothing, and so he had Cyprus, the yeah. Minnesota United of European soccer. Hey, but, but apparently they were in League C, and now by winning they get to go and they're now promoted to League B. This is the new UEFA Na- Nations League, which, by the way, has turned out to be, I think, a roaring success. People are really into it, and it's fun but, to watch. So, but who's the most famous soccer player to come out of? Uh, yeah, most famous soccer player, most famous kicker to come out of Cyprus? It'd be Garrel Upremium, right? He used to kick for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody. Knew. Yeah, everybody knew that. Right? I'm, I'm going to have to trust you on that one, Kevin. That sounds like something that you would know. But anyway, uh, Ola Kamara, uh, the guy who scored 14 goals for the LA Galaxy, who finished second on my MVP ballot. I think he was second on your MVP ballot as well, Kevin. Was that true? Yeah, for the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, for the Galaxy, so uh, so he had two goals, four shots, two shots on target, three chances created, thirty nine touches. He completed eighty nine point seven percent of his passes, three aerials, one, three fouls, one. Again, gets the brace, secures Norway's promotion, uh, and he has been absolutely on fire. I think that he has uh, six goals and thirteen caps now. Yeah, for, but is he raking the forest <laughs> for Norway? Uh, anyway, so, rake the forest. No, no. No, there's what what was his nickname again? He was the Panther, wasn't he? Didn't he want to be if Zlatan was the lion, then Ola was the Panther, wasn't it? Wasn't and I'm he? the panda. And you're the panda, and I'm I'm the pato. We're all we're all right there with him. All right. Anyway, so Ola Kamara doing great things, and that's good news. Listen, the, the future for the LA Galaxy is, is still Ola Kamara. The fact that he had 14 goals uh, orbiting around Zlatan Ibrahimovic is uh, is quite an impressive feat. So it's good to see there as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get to some questions here, Kevin, and then we can wrap this up and uh, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Darius writes in and says, uh, and and Darius and Colin sort of have uh, similar questions, so we'll group them together. Darius says, by when can we expect a general manager announcement? And at what point are we in, and then Colin asks, and at what point are we in panic mode with no GM or coaching hire on the horizon? December 1st? So Colin throws out a date. Darius asks when we can expect it. I think, Kevin, you and I are both of the, the sort of throwing our hands up here. It could happen tomorrow. Um, it could happen three weeks from now or four yeah. weeks from now. Exactly. You just never know. It, 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 it could happen. It could happen while we're talking. They could be doing the paperwork right now or it could happen after MLS Cup. As far as the panic thing, I, you know, I think maybe we might have overplayed this, the November 26th thing a little bit. I do think most of the decisions are simple ones with the exception of how to create space for Zlatan. But like wh- whether you keep Dan Steris or whether you keep Dave Romney, those kind of things. You know, I think probably Chris Klein can probably handle that. They probably have a pretty good touch on that. But, you know, as you said, you want to bring a coach in that that has his own team. And if you've made those decisions already and you've decided this is the roster that this coach and this general manager are going to have and they don't like the way that that roster comes together and plays, that's a problem. I, I don't think it's panic time just yet. I would say right around December 10th, and it's super panic time by then. I was going to say right after MLS Cup on uh, December 8th, I believe, is uh, MLS Cup. So uh, December 8th, also whenever I think the LA Galaxy are do- doing the season ticket member uh, holiday skate at LA Live. So there's a, there's a ice skating at uh, LA Live if you're a season ticket member. I, I think I'll be there. I think I'm trying to trying to make it in, in there, and I'll, uh, I'll go around and skate in circles with the rest of you. So I'm, I'm trying to convince my wife to come as well. So we'll see if... Uh, Can you skate? Everyone... Are you good? Uh, I can sometimes not fall down. I mean, you know, I used to rollerblade. I ice skated. I could do. I could do those things. I was. I was an athlete once, Kevin. I try to tell my wife that all the time. She she met me after all of my athlete years, and so she doesn't really believe me. So I think it was uh, at a party on Saturday night. I'm like, don't worry. Uh, there's a ping pong table over there, babe, and uh, just to let you know, I'm kind of good at ping pong. And she just started laughing like there was no possible way I could be any good at ping pong, Kevin. And I showed her. I quickly lost both the matches that I played. So there we go. Uh, that's my that's my sporting addition uh, there now. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yes, I can. I'm I'm rather athletic sometimes on occasion. How about you? Can you skate? 
I, I'm my best uh, athletic sport is I can jump to conclusions. <laughs> I was gonna, very, very good. Yeah, I, I can skate a little bit, but I, I can't stop. I have to like skate into the boards. Yeah, that's fine. That's 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 perfectly. We're just going in circles, right? So I mean, really, you don't have to stop. You just have to avoid little kids who going fall in, in front circles, kind of like the galaxy. There you go. It's perfect. What an analogy. Uh, finally, our last uh, question comes from uh, Wendy. Not Wendy who hosts this show. It's a, a different Wendy. It's at Wenders. Uh, 1022 on Twitter, uh, and uh, she asks, has anything happened since the Vianus news? Anything at all? And I, of course, responded to her with the quick-witted answer, time has passed. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, so I was going to say, nothing. yeah. Nothing. There's there's lots of stuff that has rumored to have happened back behind the scenes and, and different things. You're going to hear news either this week or next week in terms of option deadline, option exercises and deadlines. That's for sure. That's going to happen. Uh, we'll have coverage of that at Corner of the Galaxy. I'm sure Kevin will have coverage of that that as well uh, at LA Times. So just understanding where uh, where all those players are, what the options are, sort of what that leaves the roster at, because that's the real question. Once you get these declines, they're going to tell you what the roster consists of, and you're going to be able to go in and actually say, okay, how many spots does the Galaxy have open? And based upon last year's salaries, we can look forward and say, okay, how much does that now leave the LA Galaxy? I mean, there's guys who you're interested to see if they have options or not, like Perry Kitchen, whether or not there's an option there, or Jorgen Shelvik, whether or not there's an option there, because it'll be very interesting if the Galaxy was suddenly like, yeah, we're going to decline the option on Jorgen Shelvik because we paid him a million dollars last year and he, he got torched for most of the season. Um, you know, Perry Kitchen's sort of in the same boat. We pay him $475,000. That's a real cap hit. Anybody who's under that that 500000 roughly $500,000 range that is is making money, like a four. $475,000 play. That's a huge cap hit that the Galaxy are taking with that. That's a large chunk of cap. Uh, and there's rumors right now that the Galaxy are already over their cap uh, space for 2019. So they're going to have to jettison some guys. So it'll see if there's some contract flexibility with some of these guys, Kevin, to actually be able to move them off and, and rid, rid themselves. We'll see if any of that And watch happens. that because the, the back line is still a mess. I mean, Siani's gone. Uh, we don't know, as you said, we don't know, uh, you know what's going to go on with Shelvick. Um, Cole's probably is, is 99% gone. Yeah. Apparently is gone. Steris is back, but has an option. They need to pick up the option. Romney is out of contract. They need to make an offer to him if they want to keep him. Uh, Felcher, I believe is, is probably uh, has an option that they would pick up, but he's coming off injury. And even if you get those four guys back, let's just say that you bring back Romney, Steris, um, uh, Shelvick and, and Felcher, which is not a done deal. If you bring those guys back, that's it. That's your starting four. There's no depth. Yeah, I was so, I was gonna say gonna that is a that is a starting lineup, by the way. That is that is a start. You but could you could place those four off the bench. There's no depth. Yeah, no, and that's sort of been one of the arguments. I mean, you still have uh, you know, Tomas Hilliard Arce could possibly be one of those guys uh, who could be depth. Uh, technically, Hugo Ariano is a homegrown player, is still a defender there, but uh, there's been lots of talk of whether or not you can move Shelvick out to the left back, which you certainly could, um, and you could put Steris and Romney in the center uh, if that's something that you wanted to do. So, I mean, there's options here for the LA Galaxy. Even even if they are sort of forced into some of these things. But right now, you look at a guy like Perry Kitchen making $475,000, who isn't necessarily in the starting lineup whenever you go and say that Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos are going to be your two guys in the center. So, But I just don't feel good about it because I, I, David Bingham is a useful goalkeeper, but I think he's a goalkeeper um, that really depends on a lot of help from his defensive line. He's not sort of a Jaime Pinedo guy who will save your, your cookies at, you know when someone comes in on a breakaway. I think he's a more than many goalkeepers is a guy that relies a lot on his defense. And if the four that you just named, if that's the starting defense, I do not feel good about that. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. I think that Dave, that like any goalkeeper, David Bingham is a, a, a direct reflection of the defense. I don't think David Bingham was subpar last year. Uh, he faced more shots and, and had to try to make more saves than almost anybody in the league last year in terms of how many shots that that defense gave up. So, you know, anybody who isn't going to see a ton of shots is going to be, uh, you know, a better goalkeeper or perceived as a better goalkeeper. Uh, I think Jaime Pinedo was certainly a product of a good defensive back line. So you, you can say that to almost any goalkeeper. I think David Bingham gets a bum rap. I don't think he's a world beater, but there's people on here acting like he's the worst, like uh, like that he wasn't an upgrade over last year's keeper with Brian Rowe and John Kempin and all those guys. The defense was really bad last, you know, in 2017. It was really bad in 2018. But David Bingham had some good games in there and made some really good, good saves. 
Um, I think if you put him in front of a, or behind a solid defense, I think he'll, he can be one of the top four or five best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer, which is what you're paying him for is, is probably would be a great deal to get in the top five or top six. Yeah, I agree. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we could. We should end on that then. I like being right. Let's let's just do that one. All right. Well, I didn't see you were right. Oh, I just said I agree. You just said you. Yeah. Well, then that I means can agree I agree that you're wrong. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, all right. Any plans for uh, for Thanksgiving, Kevin? You staying in uh, in L.A. Or are you uh, traveling afar? No, I'm staying in L.A. for Thanksgiving, and and Mrs. Panda is working, so we will have some sort of takeout. Uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Ah, oh, that's it's okay. not a big holiday for vegetarians, anyways. Uh, I was I was gonna say probably probably not. I, I could I could see that I could see that, but you know I'm I'm all I'm all about the stuffing, uh, and the mashed potatoes. Uh, absolutely. Um, and let's see what else is non meat based. Basically everything but the turkey, right? You can have everything, but that's that seems like a good. I kind of go a little easy on the turkey anyway. For me, it's about all the all the sides and, and the pie afterwards, that type of thing. Well, anyway, uh, we hope everybody who's listening has a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, uh, a nice little four day weekend. Hopefully for some of you, maybe longer for others. Maybe you're already within that and you're choosing to spend some of your off time listening to this podcast. We appreciate that. But uh, from all of us here at Corner of the Galaxy, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving as we move closer to the holiday season and hopefully a resolution to the LA Galaxy's coaching and general manager positions. Uh, should be interesting to see where everything comes out. All right, Kevin, anything else you want to get to? When before? are we going Christmas caroling? No, that's not how, I don't trust Holiday you. Holiday caroling, excuse me. I don't, I don't trust you to sing in front of people. I, oh, I'll man. be honest. It's, it, You've it's, never seen me at karaoke. No. <laughs> Nor do you want to see I was going to say, when are we having the Corner of the Galaxy karaoke night? There's there's the next thing that needs to happen. Maybe that's it. But anyway, uh, December 8th, I think I am going to be skating. So if you're a season ticket member, you want to come out and skate with me, you can do that. And I'll certainly see you out there and uh, say hi. All right. Anything else coming? You good? That's it. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter 11 uh, and then head on over to LA Times for all of Kevin's soccer coverage. Subscribe to his soccer newsletter uh, that goes out, I believe, on Tuesdays. Uh, and you always want to catch that because our podcast is right there as well. So you want to uh, want to make sure that you catch and sign up for that for Kevin's wonderful newsletter. And he'll have a bunch of good breaking stuff for you in there. I'm sure of it. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. And uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can get scarves there for your holiday shopping. Uh, make sure you do that. And uh, I'll ship those right out. So that way you can surprise somebody with an awesome scarf. Um, and then, of course, uh, get it for all of the news articles on all of our podcasts are right there. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman wishing everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. We will catch you next week on Monday when we come back and hopefully with some more updated news. You have a great weekend and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.